The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can find the Self-Defense Radio Network at sdrn.us. Some of the great shows that you'll see there are the Polite Society podcast, Self-Defense Gun Stories, Gun Freedom Radio, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and many, many others. Thank you so much for being a listener, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special Halloween episode of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. This is episode 16. How's everyone doing? I am uh, Rolo, the Puerto Rican Pistolero, and as you can see, weapons are my religion. And I am joined by my lovely, beautiful uh, wife, my muse, mi amor, Latina, locked and loaded. So how's it going, everybody? Having a good time tonight? Uh I'm having a great time. Are you feeling okay in there? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally fine. So, uh, Rolando's actually, I, I, Rolando's actually been that for Halloween. Um, what year was that? That was Oh, geez, it was like the second year since we started going out. Yeah, so, Mm -hmm. he's really been into, uh, his Mandalorian stuff for quite some time and i'll tell you he made it through an entire evening of uh dancing this was many years ago when we were young uh and festivities in that helmet props to you for that mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks a lot so yeah uh this is my uh i call it my uh gangster fet outfit so uh you know going with the old school speakeasy style with the vest and i've got the hat but hey uh, I've always loved this outfit, but it does get really hot and I'm sure that my audio is not that great So I will be taking the helmet off now for the rest of the show And you guys get to see my my uh, ugly mug in like a 1940s style here. So Without further ado, oh, let's put that back there Let's get this started All right, so we've got a fun show lined up for you obviously in case you guys have not uh, figured that out by now we're going to talk about yesterday's Second Amendment rally. Uh, hopefully most of you guys uh, checked it out and uh, enjoyed it. We're also going to talk about, uh, well, we've got the election coming up in less than geez, nine days. It's nine, nine days. days now. Yep, nine days. So we're going to uh, talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, we're going to regroup uh, and uh, rediscuss Biden's, Biden and Kamala's uh, and Kamala's gun control plans we're going to go through all that check out the website and we're also going to talk about the really the biggest thing that's going on right now and it's not necessarily the the stuff that's going on with hunter necessarily biden it's really the social media censorship that is going on right now which really is the worst thing that we can see so without further ado let's get this party started let's say hello to everyone in the chat uh, I can see that we've got Tony Simon in there, Bernabe Sanchez. You're a new uh, new uh, viewer. Thanks for joining up. G23, how's it going? Uh, Ken DV, conservative Hibaro on IG. Fuego, great, 612. Great Fiona. follow. So uh, great to see all of you here. But yeah, let's talk about the Second Amendment rally. So Joe, what did you think about it this year? How'd you feel? And, and let's go into a <laughs> Well, obviously, we went to the t- 2019 rally in person, and we've said this many times. It was it was just an awesome experience that was um, very pivotal for us as advocates. Um, mm-hmm. I think Rolando would have still 
made that transition because he was already there. He was already on his way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me in particular, it was huge, um, hugely inspirational and just to push me to this point. So, you know, there was what, 4,000, 5,000 people at mm-hmm. the live event in 2019. Um, in the, ch- I want to say there was about 300, between 300 and 400, closer to 400 in the YouTube video, um, according to YouTube. And then yeah, it was also mm-hmm. being distributed to different places. It was on um, Facebook. Supposedly there was only like 80 or 90 on Facebook, uh, which is, you know, to, I don't know if that's true or not because Facebook, you know, is, is Facebook. Let's just leave it at that. Um, so some people might scoff at the fact that there was only 500 tops, let's say, at that live moment. However, um, the reach for a social, not social, sorry, virtual uh, rally is has to be measured over time because it will be shared um, multiple, multiple times. It's really hard to sit there and listen to something for three and a half hours we did it, um, but I know people were working. Some people were working. Some people just couldn't make it. It was the weekend. It's ho- uh, Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, well, so. next weekend is, but yeah. Oh, we're, make- we're making it this week. <laughs> For us, it is. Um, so I can understand if a lot of people didn't watch it live. So with that being said, it's a benefit in a way because I think the reach will continue. So mm-hmm. if anyone's out there saying like, oh, well, it was, it was a failure because only like 500 people saw it. I don't think so. I'd say... Let's see the test of time. And it also... Um, well, it's already got like more than two, two and a half thousand views. Wow, that's really, I think, really yeah. cool. So, that's awesome. So it's already, you know, gotten way more reach than the people who are watching it live. And something that I like is that um, the the people behind the two-way rally said that they were going to chop up the video into individual speaker sections and that it was going to be shareable. So I already know that I want to share some of those speeches with certain people in my... Um, my circles because it would impact people, different people, you know, in a certain way. For instance, like some were very, very personable, uh, personal stories, um, and that's going to impact different people, you know. So that's important. Um, you want to talk about some of the speeches? Please? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about the show uh, in general. Uh, G uh, G Webs in the in the chat said that's the best virtual rally so far. It ran de- really well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, pretty much the only technical issue they really had was at the beginning. Um, I mean, when Rob... Yeah, well, and then they just were... They, I think they started their video before they were ready to <laughs> intro. So uh, that happens. Hey, Lola, how's it going? Uh, Lola is strange in the chat. Uh, but I think aside from that, it was good. You know, you had the little things that happen to us every once in a while that I forget to mute myself, but that happens with a live event. So that's really... That's not a big deal at all. As far as it running well, I like the fact that they had MCs. So they had Cheryl Todd, Rob Pincus, and uh, Top Shot Chris Chang. Um, By the way, I got to say MC. this. Party at Chris Chang's house. For <laughs> real. I'm sorry. Like, I was trying not to be too funny in the chat because I was trying to pay attention to the speeches. But, I mean, come on. That guy has got a hell of a yes. liquor cabinet. Mm-hmm. Chris, if you're out there, uh, party at your house. Come on. Make it happen. Definitely. <laughs> I'd Definitely. be down for that. Oh yeah, he's got a heck of a setup. So, and and we saw that up close before when we were um, part of the AZCDL for him. Yes, with him. So yeah. we we got to see his uh, his booze setup earlier. But uh, I thought it was great. I liked the way that they uh, 
they didn't tell anyone the speaker order, so it was kind of exciting. It was pretty nerve-wracking for us because mm-hmm. we didn't know when we were going to show up. And um, and I'll be honest, I was extremely nervous. We don't have a lot of experience with public speaking. Um, I've uh, been open about the fact that I'm very very introverted and... You know, believe it or not, I actually did theater in high school. I don't know how many people do that, maybe a lot, but um, I did it to kind of help me get out of my shell and be better at speaking. Clearly, many, many years later, I'm still a nervous person when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. So um, I was really a little bit worried about the delivery. Um, Probably should have recorded that a couple more times, but it is what it is. So, yeah. (laughs) But I was really nervous. That was my whole point. And in the end, it, I, I think, you know, everyone's their worst critic and um, it ended up being OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was I was happy with how it came out uh, in the end, at least uh, definitely what we had to say. Uh, and I think it was it came out pretty good. Yeah. So uh, that that was a lot of fun uh, to see that. And we got a lot of great feedback. So we appreciate everybody that was there. And, and we saw a lot of you guys in the chat. So it's always great to see that this community is representing and we're and we're sticking together. So that was a lot of fun. And then the actual experience of, you know, it was a Saturday afternoon. We had some mixed beverages. And <laughs> it just felt like we were hanging out with a bunch of friends. So mm-hmm. I wanted to thank everybody who was at, in the chat um, and our friends. It was just a really, really great afternoon. I had a great time. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And... Uh, yeah, so they started. Uh, we st- they started with Kevin Dixie, which is always a good way to start. Um, I think uh, Argo J was talking to us after uh, <laughs> after the show. Uh, he gave us a call, and I um, and uh, he was saying that Katie wasn't happy about being first. <laughs> they had spoken. To- I don't know. He was like, "Man, they made me take the leadoff spot." <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. But I mean, who else are you going to choose to do that? I think Katie's probably the best choice you can have for that. Especially, uh, he was like out in New Mexico, so it was a pretty epic scene of him, uh, uh, what he had to say. So it was pretty fantastic. Hey, we have uh, Confucius, Confucius in the chat. Says, "What's up, my Boricua brother? Oh, welcome, nice. Welcome, welcome. Always nice to see some Puerto Ricans in the in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. So they started off. I believe Katie was first, then Yehuda Remmer, the Pew Pew Jew, was after that. So he really had a great. Uh, he really had a great speech bringing it back to the Holocaust and how, you know, 60 members of his extended family were victims of the Holocaust and, um, you know, really honing down the message of never allowing that to happen again. Uh, we're in the third spot. Uh, everybody that saw us knows what we talked about. We pretty much talk about the same. Uh, it was a microcosm of what we speak about on the show every week, uh, pretty much. And uh, everyone else had had fantastic speeches. Uh, Tony had a great speech. Uh, Tony's in the chat right here, so give him some love. Uh, I think I, I, I think the two best speeches for me, though, everyone was good. There was no bombs or anything like that, I don't think. Uh, and everybody was pretty confident uh, in how they spoke. So that was, that was definitely great to see. I'm sure that being able to film for a lot of people takes a lot of the nerves away. So uh, I thought it was great. But really the two that, that made an impact on me uh, one of them, not not to uh, not to show our bias, was definitely Argo J. I think his speech was extremely passionate. Uh, it was fantastic. It was heated. I think he had that kind of um, 
kind of the emotional gravitas that I think that uh, Carrie and KD had last year. I think they were the two speeches. Carrie Sloan, yeah, yeah. Carrie Sloan and, and Kevin Dixie's speeches last year were the most powerful. I think that Argo kind of took that energy, that energy this year, and he really brought the house down with that. And the other speech that I thought was fantastic, and I'd never heard her speak before, was a tactical gal NYC. I thought that she was just fantastic. And her story talking about how her husband had uh, passed away, um, you know, 10 years ago and how she was trying to find a way to empower herself and get through that, I thought was a really powerful story. That was Brie Michael Warner. I yes. actually followed her on Instagram, but I didn't know her origin story. And mm -hmm. um, she said she was in formerly in entertainment and you could tell just from how comfortable she was talking. And I think she gave such an amazing delivery, mm -hmm. which really helped, I guess, deliver that that message home so i really i really loved her um her speech as well mm -hmm. well i actually I, really liked um oh my gosh i forgot her name no it's okay you joe's got the speakers up right now so Give she's, me a second. she's yeah. looking through mary uh callison um mm -hmm. i thought that again very personal speeches um as a woman i will definitely be sharing her clip to certain females um in my circles because that is so important um, women's self-defense that's one of the greatest things that you can share um, with the women in your life mm -hmm. to just you know drive it home make it personal like this can happen to anyone um, and the importance of you know being being armed as a woman so I loved how personal that was and and I thank you to her for sharing that very um, obviously you know painful Sure. Um, memory of that story with us. So mm -hmm. that was pretty awesome. And then I'm going to drop a link to the entire rally in the chat for anybody that hasn't watched her. You guys want to share, go ahead and share it there. Uh, and I know that if you do, if you're interested in watching last year's uh, 2A rally, I think the best uh, video that you're going to find is going to be from AR15.com's YouTube page. So, uh, I would check them out. I'll actually drop a link for that there because I think some of last year's are definitely worth revisiting. Um, but yeah, a lot of our really good friends were, uh, our two-way friends, our two-way family was there. Uh, Eric from Iraq Veteran 8888, John mm -hmm. Crump, Mr. Crumpy himself. Yes. Great speech. Uh, Todd Fossey, who we met last year, Greg DeLuce. Um, Alan Gottlieb is a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, Jarrah Hutchins. Um, obviously Argo. Oh, and of course, Rhonda, 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 Rhonda Mary. Mary. That was her first time. And I think she did really great. Um, Diana Muller, uh, Tony, Cheryl, and Mosh. Yep. I liked how, I liked how casual Mosh was. Mosh was totally Mosh. If you guys, uh, if you guys saw it, he's been on his, uh, the tour bus or the two Ray bus, uh, going around the country. Uh, you know, taking Black Guns Matter around. Uh, and I thought it was just hilarious how he was in the uh, front seat of his tour bus just having a cigar <laughs> and just chopping it up. It was very Maj, and it was a big contrast from his speech last year. So, again, I think that's actually one of the more fun things that you can do. You can see how different some of the speakers that were at both events, how their tone has changed over the past year and how some of their messages are the same. But, you know, you can see how... Uh, different events that are going on where the country is right now and uh, just uh, you know some of the messages are uh, a change a little bit from year to year so I would definitely encourage you guys to check that out
Uh, I dropped the link for that again, too. That was last year's rally. And I really hope that next year we get to go back to D.C., but I think that they should do the hybrid. A hybrid format would be pretty awesome. I think they should try to do live stream if possible. I know it might be difficult because it's outdoors, so they're going to have to get uh, some pretty some pretty good um, cell coverage mm -hmm. to try to live stream it that way. But I think it would be fantastic if they could almost bring in the MC format that they had this year with the hosts, have the speakers live and in person, have that experience that we got to uh, that we got to have in 2019 along with combining it with this year so that you get an even bigger crowd and the folks that can't go uh, or even the haters because there are some haters out there sometimes uh, they can watch it and see what the deal is for themselves as it's happening and be like oh man I wish I had gone G-Webs in the, in the chat says the best in his opinion was the live streams from C uh, C4 Defense and um, not an oh, obnoxious man. one yeah uh, those were those two were in front of the speakers broadcasting live oh okay cool any other thoughts on the 2a rally uh i just i just thought it was great yeah. I, I i think it was awesome i really like the online format i like how they organized it it worked out uh, really better better than i than i thought it would just because you never know how those things are especially when you've got uh three different hosts in three different parts of the country and not necessarily in sync all the time so you're always worried i know how i worry on our on our podcast so i can't even imagine uh how it was to coordinate with them. And I believe in the background, we want to give a shout out to uh, Paul Lathrop. Uh, Paul Lathrop is uh, the host of the Polite Society podcast, which you can find on the Self-Defense Radio Network, as well as the Locked and Loaded Latinos and other great pro-freedom podcasts, such as Riding Shotgun with Charlie and Gun Freedom Radio. So just thought I would uh, throw that plug in there uh, at the same time. But Paul produced uh, Amcon. He did GRPC. Uh, and he also did, uh, obviously he did the two a rally yesterday and I think he's gotten better each time. So, yeah. And yes, uh, Bernabe Sanchez says, uh, do you mind if I share? Yes. And the organizers of the two a rally were very, very explicit about wanting this to go viral, wanting to share it as much as possible. So embed it anywhere, share it to anybody that you want. Uh, obviously you can feel free to share any of our videos or podcasts, uh, anytime you want to get the word out there, if you think there's anybody else that would be interested in what we have to say. And try to do the same thing um, I just mentioned. If there's anything that you saw in particular that may be, you know, may resonate with a certain someone in your life, just, you know, don't send them the whole three and a half hours because it's going to be really hard for someone new to want to sit there and watch three and a half hours of, you know, people talking about the Second Amendment when they're just new to it. Um, sometimes just you know, a five minute clip of someone talking about something personal or it's something that you think that person will actually really enjoy, go ahead and share that with them. You know, um, any little bit helps and you never know what might strike someone and change their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to us. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really what, uh, what we want to encourage that grassroots effort, uh, normal people, uh, normal husbands and wives, uh, everybody of each every demographic here we want everybody to feel comfortable in fighting for their rights advocating uh, for the second amendment and you know whether you're a you know just a casual gun owner that owns firearms for self-defense somebody that likes to hunt somebody that's a competition shooter or even somebody that doesn't want to own guns but you believe in people's freedom to choose uh, that's really what we want and, and that's the goal. So hopefully uh, some of those speeches yesterday resonated with somebody new and hopefully they resonated within the community because all too often, 
and you see us harp on this, we, we get too negative as a community. And sometimes we're, you know, uh, we don't think that rallies work or that social gathering, the gatherings don't work. But I can tell you that they definitely do. Because even though you see that uh, this community, especially on social media and, and on YouTube and things like that, is kind of a small family. You see like the same, you know, maybe 60, 70 faces all the time. We're, we're still in our own bubble over here. Uh, so we really want to expand that bubble. We want people to feel comfortable. And we even want the, uh, the bubble within the community to kind of burst and expand a bit. Because sometimes we're, we're too insular and we start um, kind of getting pulled into our own negativity. Not everybody. But it, it, when you do it for so long and so many years, sometimes it feels like the progress is not being made. Because you're always there and you're like, oh man, this is just tiring. But... Uh, I think seeing new faces is really encouraging and even bringing up new blood uh, is very exciting. I know that for us, we haven't been doing this for very long, but it gets us very excited anytime that we get a DM or an email from somebody or even a comment in the chat from you guys uh, saying that you really enjoy what we do and that it makes a difference. And I think that that's what it does. It's w one step at a time. And I know that, you know, we have our, you know, we really are up against the barrel of the gun, so to speak. Uh, with with things that are going on, but uh, you know we kind of need to take everything that we can get. Uh, you have to understand that it took a hundred years, or it took a hundred years for gun control to get to the level that we're at. It took a hundred years for the progressive movement to kind of infiltrate the government and try to start influencing um, society and culture. And it's going to take us decades to turn that around. So right now, the goal has to be not one step further, and we have to start pushing things back knowing that this is going to be a fight that never ends. And even if we get what we want, they'll still try to take it away after we win. So it's going to be a constant battle no matter what. So it'll never end. Even if we get, even if we win, it will still never end after that. Unless, you know, we're able to get everyone in the United States essentially to agree that the second amendment is for everybody. As a, as Tony Simon would say. So, yeah. So we have a couple of things on the agenda besides the two-way rally. We're yep. Gonna, uh, unpack the whole. Well, in case you haven't heard of it, because a lot of people haven't heard of it. Let, let's start on Let's start on Biden's gun control plan first. Yeah, I was gonna say, and that was another thing. I know we've yeah. gone over um, Joe Biden's gun control plan, but the election is in nine days. Mm-hmm. And um, it hasn't changed. Nope. But it's just a. Let's go over this one more time, and if you want to just share some of this with any of your, again, people in your life, I actually told someone who I've been working with um, closely on, on, you know, getting her to understand, um, and she understands the importance of guns, but she didn't understand, I guess, that her vote can make a difference in passing laws that would you know, make people like Roland and I felon or like herself and some of her friends mm -hmm. um, felons. Um, and it's, it was really annoying to me to hear her say, well, you didn't tell me. And I'm like, I did. You just weren't really paying attention. You didn't really understand. Something that I keep hearing is when I share this information is this isn't really going to happen. I mean, it's in black and blue. Mm -hmm. I mean, white and blue sorry <laughs> on his website um written words so it's not like something that he said or could be misinterpreted it's on in words printed on his website um 
explicitly. So it's not like something that's not like something well, that's in the news that you're making up. Mm-hmm. Well, and just look at the language because this is really what the what the uh, the left is so good at doing. They're so good at crafting that narrative and that language. So you see, hold gun manufacturers accountable. So there is no other industry that I know of that if somebody uses a product in an illegal way, that the company would be held liable. So I that's mean, what, they what would happen to in car industry if that were to happen? Yeah. If we were to sue Chevy because, you know, they got into a, uh, someone driving a Chevy got into a car accident and Chevy got sued. Then they went out of business and basically all the cars would go out of business yeah. and then we would have well like, I, I mean how many bicycles yeah i mean how many terrorist attacks have we seen where people use vehicles so are the yeah. car manufacturers going to be held liable if somebody builds a an explosive device are we going to hold um, fertilizer companies accountable because that's a precursor for explosives so i mean it's absolutely absurd and ridiculous that you would go down this path and again here we go get weapons of war off the streets what is a weapon of war i mean you know, technically with that language, that 1911 that's sitting over there, two world wars, right? Couldn't they try to throw it that way? Now, obviously, we know what they try to mean by, uh, you know, weapons of war. Like, oh, my God, the AR-15 is a weapon of war uh, because it looks just like an M-16. No, we know that assault weapons is a buzzword that was created in the 1980s to start trying to push gun control and to push the first assault weapons ban. So... That's what they want to do. That's the that's the next thing on the list. Ban the manufacturer and sale of assault weapons and high and standard capacity magazines, as we like to say. And and look again, here comes the language. Federal law prevents hunters from hunting migratory game with more than three shells in their shotgun. That means that federal law does more to protect ducks than children. Absolute, total and complete garbage. Absolute garbage making that comparison, then this is what they do. See, they try to appeal. This sounds like a logical argument if you don't know much about guns. So it's, it's, it's just absurd. This is what they do. They try to uh, prey on emotion. They try to uh, prey on ignorance. And that is their modus operandi. And that's what they do on the anti-gun side. Uh, they want to regulate. They want to use the NFA and throw existing assault weapons underneath the NFA. Uh, so, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna be fantastic. So now anytime that you'd want to buy an AR-15, an AK or anything like that, I guess you'd have to pay that $200 tax stamp and wait eight months or whatever it takes to get a suppressor Wait, so how many or an it SBR. Goes, it's $200 per magazine. Oh yes. Yeah. They wanted magazine. magazine. I, I heard, yes. I heard that magazines, they wanted to add to the NFA, even though it is not specifically Just right here in stop this. Stop and think to yourself, how many magazines do you own that has greater than 10 bullet capacity and then multiply that by 200 and that's how much you have to pay the government now i ask you this why would that stop a person from committing a crime or an act it wouldn't you're just again making this too expensive for an average person to afford but the rich could still afford this. Yep. So you could say that some of these things are classist. Oh, yeah. Facts. Yeah. Classist. And, of course, all gun control is racist. racist. Because that's how laws started. They all started uh, to try to prevent, uh, you know, black people. People from low socioeconomic mm-hmm. status from owning firearms. If that weren't the, tr- the truth, why exactly um, 
Do you have the stream settings? On? Yeah, I know. I was switching. I was switching tabs there. <laughs> <laughs> Why would making a, a stamp and making them pay two hundred dollars make any sense? It's not stopping someone. You know, you have to pay a, a two hundred dollars to get a, a suppressor or an SBR. Is that stopping someone from getting it? No, you're just making it unaffordable for certain people to get it, mm-hmm. and that's classist and racist. Yep. That's not protecting anyone well and it's pretty similar to how you know the southern states during the jim crow era would pass poll taxes and things like that to discourage uh black people and minorities from voting so it's almost the same thing let's 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 add to the burden because then technically oh well we're not getting rid of the second amendment you can still buy a gun we're just going to make you jump through so many hoops that either a you can't afford it or b you're not going to do it because it's going to be such a pain in the butt or it's going to take so long to finish that you're just going to be like, well, F it. Like I can't do that because I need a firearm now or I want one now. So that's really what it comes down to with that. G web says only designed to stop people from shooting to move the overton window to guns are a vice. Only criminals would be interested in. Oh, that's absolutely true. That's what they always try to do. Uh, it's always about that's, that's why they use language as a weapon because that's how you start turning the overton window. Because you slowly start pushing people further to the left or whatever direction you want them to go to. And then eventually that becomes normalized. And again, it also comes to look at all the things that Joe Biden is asking for in this plan. Maybe he's not going to get all of them. But he pretty much has on this list every single gun control plan that has been proposed in the last 20 or 30 years. Either on an individual basis altogether. So the reason that they do that on the left, this is what they're extremely famous about. And I'm sorry to any of our friends in here that might have been Democrats or anything like that. But I think you guys understand. Yeah, I think you guys understand this, that the Democratic Party is not the party that it used to be. Uh, And maybe it never was. And maybe maybe they were just hiding it. And and now they've they've taken the masks off, so to speak. But uh, but, you know, this this is the strategy that they do. They they will ask for a thousand percent of what they want. And then when you only give them 5%, it's still way more than you would have given. So that's the strategy that I think on the pro gun and the pro freedom side that we need to advocate for as well. We need to push pro gun politicians to say, not only do we want to repeal the NFA, we want everybody to be able to own rocket launchers and, uh, and real weapons of war, rocket launchers, tanks, uh, fighter jets, all that good stuff. Because then they will always say, well, that is so absurd. How could you ever advocate for such a thing, blah, blah. And you'll be like, okay, okay. I'd like to advocate for it, even if it's being ridiculous. Yes. Because maybe one day it would be cool to have a tank, okay? Well, well no. <laughs> well, for me, it's more the strategy. It's the strategy right, of, of... This is repeatedly over and over yeah. again what I've said about, you know, if you want to simplify and say Democrats and Republicans, I know there's third-party options out there. But right now, I don't think it's reasonable. How do I say this? I don't think Joe Jorgensen has a chance to actually win the presidency. I understand why some people want to vote for her to make a third party option more mainstream, more platform to give her a stage on um, in the debates. I understand the necessity of that. Putting that aside, just talking about Republicans and Democrats right now. Republicans need to learn to fight like their opponents. Yep. It is. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them trying to like seem like, well, we're too honorable to do it their way you know it's not dishonorable it's just getting what you need done mm-hmm. I'm sorry they just 
it pissed me off sometimes. It's like you need to learn how to fight against them. Well, and I think that that's why people, uh, Donald Trump appeals to a lot of people because he basically fights all the time. You know, whether whether you think it's genuine, whether you think it's an act, I, I think he fights for, I think he fights for the country and that's part I mean, of the reason that they hate him. And I think that that, that's something that the conservative movement was lacking. So it really is. We need more politicians on our side that are willing to advocate for the things that we believe in and that we want. And they need to stop being worried that that might turn off some of the moderates. There's going to be a lot of people that don't like guns and they're going to think that pushing, uh, you know, extreme pro-gun policies, if you want to call it that, would be crazy. But, you know, the, the left has no qualms about dropping the Green New Deal and sending that they want to ban cow farts, air travel, and spend $100 trillion. So if we kind of come out with the same thing in the opposite direction and all that we get out of it is the NFA is repealed, that's a huge victory because you, you go beyond the NFA and that's your asking point. So then you negotiate down to what you actually want. So... Tony in the chat uh, says they compromise, but the only thing gun owners get is less rights. That's not compromise. Exactly. That's why that's why you go all in. You go hog wild like the left does so that when you do compromise, you got what you really wanted in the first I mean, place. Did, so you almost make a false you 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 make a false point like yeah. I want nuclear weapons for civilians. What? That's insane. That's insanity. Yep. That's what I want. Then you slowly take it off the table. Okay, not nuclear weapons. Well, look at the Green New Deal. If anybody thinks I'm exaggerating, do you think that the Dems actually thought that they were going to get cows banned? Banned. Cows. Yeah. Now, I'm a vegetarian. I was like, eh, that's fine with me. But I know that's the most ridiculous thing I have heard. I was like, there's no way America is going to go for this. Getting rid of air travel? Mm -hmm. Making all cars electric by a certain year? Yeah, in like 10 years. I mean, come on. It was, no one could possibly, no one with an IQ over 10 could possibly really think that was serious. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people did. And a lot of young people. I just said they have an IQ. I know. And unfortunately, a lot of people in our generation uh, totally advocate for, for absurd proposals like that without thinking about it. But that's why we need to do the same thing. That's where I'm gonna. I'm. I'll, that's where I'll leave that one. We need to try to take that same extreme position when it comes to our rights, uh, and and you know push through it that way. It's it's really the only way that it's gonna work. Um. So, uh, what else did they have in the Joe Biden thing? Buybacks. Uh, again, did you say this already? The buybacks and the rest of the no, no, I hadn't gotten so that. We what were... else is in the Joe Biden proposals? It's buybacks of assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Um. Again, high-capacity magazines, it's anything that has 10 or more bullets in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that anything that has more than 10, which is sometimes even your handgun, um, would be bought back, meaning they would give you a tiny fraction of the price and force you to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, reduce stockpiling of weapons, meaning you can only buy uh, one, gun one gun per, per month. month. I keep switching the tab. Sorry, guys. You're seeing the <laughs> behind the scenes over here. It says require background checks for all gun sales. I love how they say that. Like as if there I, aren't background checks yes. already. Yeah. Yes. I know what they're getting at, um, but they're making it seem like that's why people if you talk to people who know nothing about gun control and this is I have a problem with in America right now. I saw it and I, I finally understood it, how people during the debate 
sorry, I'm going all over the place here. During the debate, um, they were talking about immigration, and they made a comment about, uh, Trump made a comment about coyotes. So, obviously, I am Hispanic. I grew up watching Spanish media, and um, one of my parents came over illegally. She came over with a coyote. She almost died. And some people on her trip died. So, clearly, I have feelings about this. Um, But that's not the point. The point is, people tweet a lot of blue checks on Twitter decided to have opinions about it without knowing anything. So that's when I realized people in America love to opinionate very loudly, especially people with any kind of platform, about things they know zilch about. I mean, guys, if you don't know something and you have a platform on Twitter with a blue check mark, could you at least do a Google search to find out more about it before making yourself look like a fool? Same thing with gun control. People talk about things as if, you know, with their big mouths on their big platforms as if they are what's it called like knowledgeable about it and they absolutely know nothing Mm -hmm. we see that all the time with some of these gun control people saying we need background checks we have them sorry Mm -hmm. so anyway sorry i went on a little rant there oh yeah i know little uh non-sequitur about the debate if Mm -hmm. anybody didn't watch it i'm sorry i know politics is uh you know stressful right now but i need to get that off my chest um what else there was uh closing a loophole for the boyfriend loophole (sighs) close hate crime loopholes that says um actually that's not a bunch of loopholes here yes the loopholes are and the online sale of firearms and ammunitions yep that's another big one Nowadays, that would be really terrible because I haven't been able to find ammo in the store at all. Mm-hmm. So online is pretty much the way to go. Um, so that would make it really, really difficult for some people to get anything. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, and they'll they'll try to restrict that. I mean, you already, I believe in California, you can't buy ammunition online yeah. uh, as it is. So this is just something that they're going to try to push everywhere. Uh, Night Train in the chat says, what, what I would love to know, where or how did this magic number 10 become the acceptable number? He's referring to, again, the yes. uh, number of bullets. You know, I wonder how they do that. I, uh, I, I told him. I told him. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, could you tell us? Oh, well, uh, it's, it's uh, how many fingers we have. So that's all that the anti-gunners can count to. <laughs> so, I mean, that's why. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is what we've got. I encourage you to share it with everyone and explain to them what these things mean and why they're absurd, especially to new gun owners that probably bought a, uh, a handgun that is, if it's any midsize or, or normal handgun, like a Glock 19 or larger, most likely has at least a 15-round magazine in it. So uh, this is definitely something that you guys need to, uh, that we all need to push and, and let everybody know. So it's 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 crazy, it's absurd, but that is what we have to look forward to. And again, we're, we'll we'll harp on this once again next week uh, in our pre-election episode because it's critical that uh, that you get out there and uh, that you get out there and and tell people to vote for their gun rights. And again, uh, vote local, vote state, vote national. Now, obviously, your vote has more of an impact 
the closer you are to your uh, to your proximity. So sometimes I'm, I get upset at people and they'll say, my vote doesn't count. And most of the time they're thinking about the national election, I think. And, and they forget that your local sheriff, your school board, all those things matter and they affect you directly. There's one that is actually takes a little bit of homework. Um, there are judges on your ballot. Well, in some states. In some states. Some states they allow you to vote for your state Supreme Court justices, which Florida they do. It does not have an R or D or because, yeah, L. Because, well, because next they're not to supposed them. to have party affiliations. Course, but yeah. um, so it makes it a little bit more difficult to know about them unless you do some research. So I highly suggest you obtain a, if you haven't already voted, and you are in one of these states that have this. For my Florida peeps, uh, go ahead and find the ballot online for your district, and look these people up and their record because you're voting on them. Or you're abstaining from voting on them if you don't know anything about it and you just say, hey, I don't know these people, so I'm not going to vote. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference because if you get arrested for something, guess what? These are going to be the judges who make those decisions in your state. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely true. And this is also where you're going to find and influence a lot more people. Um, we know that uh, gun control groups are also targeting like school board meetings, things like that, to try to get... Uh, mothers, you know, mothers have a larger impact, probably have the biggest impact on purchases in a household. And that goes with firearms as well. If your wife doesn't want you to own guns, it's going to cause you some problems and it's going to be difficult to get past that. So you want to make sure that you do attend your school board meetings. If you've got kids, even if you don't, it's good to see what's going on there so that you know what your local community is teaching and what your taxpayers tax dollars are going to. So, uh, Again, that is why you need to vote. Even if you think that your vote's not going to have an impact nationally, it will have an impact within your state and in your um, in your county and city. Now, okay, so there you go. Mr. Knives says, you, uh, to, in reference to something I said before, in California you can buy ammo online, but it has to go to an FFL and you have to get a background check. So, yeah, that's, that's just craziness. So, again, trying to make things difficult for you so that you – to discourage you from owning firearms. It's, it's BS, but that's the way that they do it because they know that they can, they can never outright get rid of the Second Amendment without changing – without adding another amendment to the Constitution to strike it down. Uh, and then technically it still will never be gone. It just won't be uh, enforced or protected. Uh, it will still be there though. I just remember something um, – some, I already forgot who the speaker was who said it. But, um, sorry, totally non-sequitur that I just remembered about the two-way rally. Someone said, I'm sure some of you have heard the um, liberal people on Twitter and and elsewhere say, silence is violence, guys. Well, someone changed that into silence is compliance. Mm -hmm. I forgot who the speaker was. I think it was uh, Chris. Was it Chris? I think it was Chris Chang, yeah. Anybody out there who watched it, correct me if I'm wrong, whoever it was. Great use of that. Um, turning it around. Turning yeah. it around. And I really liked that because science is compliance. Mm-hmm. Remember to share your ideas with people and talk about all these things because sometimes people feel like their vote doesn't matter. It does matter. And everyone's vote matters. So the more people we get to think of these things through, the better we'll be. Most definitely. And in that uh, 
on that uh, kind of note, let's move on to, well, let's move on to the biggest thing that's been going on this and week. And it's actually a good, it's, it's actually a really good uh, segue. segue because silence is what's happening to our voices on social media. Yes. Now, we won't, we won't get into because, honestly, I don't know what the rules are right now. I know that the Hunter Biden thing is very contentious, and I know that the social media companies are cracking down. If you share articles, do anything like that, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk about, uh, except for right now, because I'm, I'm being an a-hole. A <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk about the specific allegations or things that came out today with um, certain scandals in the bedroom and things oh, like no, that. No, no, no. We're not talking about but, that. Uh, but I will talk about the fact that we have evidence of corruption at a high level for a presidential candidate, and essentially... Social media companies are blocking the ability to share that information, to share the original source articles, flagging users, uh, saying that it's a hoax, um, and claiming that it's uh, Russian disinformation, the same thing that uh, they've said before. Let's pretend someone watching doesn't know what we're talking about. So what happened was, (laughs) starting at the beginning, the New York Post which has um, 1.8 million followers on Twitter and is the nation's fourth largest daily by circulation um, publication. The New York Post, very reputable publication. Uh, Broke news. um, I don't remember what day it was. Last week? Uh, It was sometime last week. I forgot the exact day. Something like that. Um, Regarding a story about Hunter Biden that is uh, vice president former vice president and, and current presidential hopeful Joe Biden's son, um, that a laptop surfaced that had been a, a MacBook Pro, actually. MacBook Pro had been uh, dropped off in a Delaware Mac store, a Mac repair shop, and never picked up. Um, that was actually probably a few years ago or last year. I don't know when. I think that- it was 17. Was 2017 that this actually happened? Or 18, happened? yes. Something like that. It was, it was either last year or a couple of years ago, where basically um, Hunter Biden allegedly dropped off three MacBook Pros, actually, I found out today, at the Mac shop in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, the owner says, the owner, John Isaac, of the that store, says that he contacted the person on the contact information sheet, um, Hunter Biden, allegedly, to pick up his computers once they're ready and he tried allegedly several times to contact him and got no response so policy for the that situation is once you don't pick up your stuff it becomes property of the store so this good citizen decided to say hey okay let me see what's on these laptops um and found all kinds of sketch incriminating emails videos and pictures um on the laptop he was very concerned and he dropped it off to the delaware um fbi and mr isaac mr john isaac received a subpoena to testify before the u.s court district court in delaware on december 9th 2019 so i just want to say this is this is probably 2019 then so Mm -hmm. this is not something that just happened this was this was happening about a year ago about a year ago Mm -hmm. the fbi in delaware has had possession of this uh laptop for over well for quite a long time probably about a year now Mm -hmm. um and they haven't done anything with it the fbi and delaware's u.s attorney office 
have declined recently to publicly comment on what they've been doing for the past year. Nothing. <laughs> so that we know of. That we know of. Nothing. So basically, uh, I I don't know if it was Giuliani who like leaked it. I don't know who the leaked it to the post, but the mm-hmm. post got the information. Um, and they decided to run a story on it last week stating that there was emails and photos and videos of Joe Biden's son yeah. um, where Joe Biden abetted uh, cashing in on his vice presidential political influence. Um, the laptop shows financial dealings between the younger Biden and foreign countries involving his father. That's the allegations. Um, Twitter proceeded to suspend the New York Post. It's been almost a week. The New York Post is still suspended. Yep, they are. So, of course, there's been a public outcry about this. And by the way, why are we talking about this? This has nothing to do with guns, right? But it does have to do with freedom. It specifically has to do with our First Amendment, you know, and the ability to share information is being severely limited. Anyone who shared the URL to the story on Twitter was blocked. Um, so it wasn't just a post. They also blocked the speaker, uh, the press, sorry, not the speaker, the press secretary, and um, anyone who reposted the story. So Jack Dorsey, which is the CEO of Twitter, tweeted on Friday, Straight blocking of the URLs was wrong, and we updated our policy and enforcement to fix it. Our goal is to attempt to add context, and now we have the capabilities to do that. Twitter's legal policy and trust safety lead, Vijaya Gad, confirmed that the social media platform is making changes to its hacked materials policy to address concerns that there could be many unintended consequences to journalists, whistleblowers, and others in ways that are contrary to Twitter's purpose of serving the public conversation. Hmm. Interesting. I got that from an article which we're not going to show on the screen because I don't know what YouTube would do to us. Um, And then the New York Post itself has said uh, that they have not been suspended despite the change in the policy. Uh, Why is that? It's because... Twitter said to the New York Post, while we've updated the policy, we don't change enforcement retroactively. You will still need to delete the tweets in question to regain access to your account. So uh, Jack Dorsey is basically holding New York Post um, hostage until they delete the six tweets that they made regarding. So so I, so basically it's like saying that if, I, if uh, drugs become decriminalized uh, and you still got arrested, they're just going to leave you in prison anyway. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much. That's basically what Twitter's Pretty saying. Much. Okay. By the yeah. way, the reason why the rationale great, is great to see that they that they believe certain things politically and then they don't actually do those rules and how they run their business. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Twitter's rationale for why they're doing all this is because they they say that they believe that the information was hacked. Um, 
but interesting enough. Well, I mean, you can't hack something that's given to you straight up and you open it. Of that's course not. not. That's, that's not, not how hacking It's works. not a hack when you but already have access say. to it. that's what people say. Isn't that what like, people say on Twitter when they get caught saying yes. something that they don't want to admit that they said? They say, oh, it was hacked. That's like the common thing that people say. Well, that's, that's what happened to the, uh, the gentleman who was going to be the second debate moderator for the debate, the presidential debate that was canceled. He had tweets uh, t- speaking with Anthony Scaramucci, who was uh, used to be a confidant of Donald Trump, and they had a, a huge falling out. It's irrelevant. But anyway, the debate moderator was essentially asking Anthony Scaramucci for advice on how to deal with Trump during the debate. And th- he had the audacity to say, oh, no, my account was hacked and somebody else uh, sent that message. No, it didn't. And he got fired and suspended. Uh, I believe he got obviously thrown away as the debate moderator. And they uh, suspended him from NPR. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is this is ridiculous. So, it, it's it's absolutely absurd what we have to deal with right now here. Sorry, I'm uh, answering a question here in the chat. Republic, uh, Republican Representative uh, Doug Collins of Georgia said, why is it that the New York Times can report about the presidential tax reports? They didn't name the sources. So, by the yes. way. So, obtained illegally. They, obtained they, illegally. So, yes. Twitter is concerned about it being hacked, but yet they allowed the New York Times to post about the presidential tax reports, which were definitely gotten from wrong, you know, like. Yeah, Ill- illicit, illicit means. Illicit means. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, Twitter didn't censor them. But yet, Twitter and other social media censors, the New York Post, about posting the actual truth about Hunter Biden. Yep. And then allegedly. Yes. And then the absurd thing is that you have major media corporations and institutions. And I'll I'll use NPR as an example again, where they essentially say, we're not going to talk about this issue because we just don't think it's newsworthy or we think it's irrelevant. And it's like, how could it be possible that, okay, you might say, well, this is this is Hunter doing all these bad things. Don't you think that having impropriety of that level I mean, look, man, the Chinese, what do they do? They, they throw people in concentration camps. They have a social credit system. Uh, they, they oppress human rights all the time. So, geez, what, why would, it, would it be concerning if the Chinese had information and tapes uh, of your son, uh, you know, doing illicit activities maybe well, but this is all allegedly of course you know then 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 how could we think that, that the the president is going to be okay afterwards i mean i i'm certainly not concerned that china could call uh call up joe a president joe biden and be like hmm yeah you you guys wanted us to not invade chi- uh, taiwan or not put these t- uh, trade restrictions well i'm gonna have to release a bunch of videos of your son doing illicit things or i'm gonna let people know that we paid you off that you made uh, money with one of our businesses here when you were vice president. Anyway, one of the emails dated May 13, 2007, includes a discussion of remuneration packages for six people in a business deal with a now bankrupt CEFC China Energy Company. And the email says 20 for H and 10 held by H for the big guy. I wonder what that big guy is. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, th- this is the problem that we're facing right now with freedom of speech. And this goes back to the Second Amendment and everything like that. Because if you don't think that these companies are, they, they've unmasked themselves to the point now where it's very clear what their political motivations are and they're anti freedom. Period. Anti freedom. Uh, you know, they obviously lean towards one political party, but at the end of the day, they are anti-freedom and they are hurting our rights. And I know that conservatives always talk about and libertarians. Well, it's 
it's a free market economy, right? No, it's not a free market because they are colluding and endorsing one political party. So when you do that, essentially, it's not freedom of speech anymore because one political party that has governmental power is able to use those companies as a proxy and essentially restrict our freedom of speech. And if you don't think that that's going to take uh, that that's going to take away a lot of our capabilities in the 21st century, you have another thing counting. You have another thing. Uh, you, uh, you have another thing coming. coming. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you got another thing coming because it, it's 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 definitely going to happen. They're going to overreach. Think about if we start pushing a pro gun narrative and we've got some evidence that's really going to push. Let's say that we have a, a, a tape behind closed doors of Moms Demand Action saying something like, yeah, we want to get rid of all guns, and there's a bunch of Democrat uh, politicians saying the same thing. Even some Republicans. Let's say there are Republicans there. I don't care who they are. Uh, and that came out. Don't you think that that would be useful for voters to know that, hey, these people are about to stab us in the back? And if Twitter and Facebook saw that video, they might be like, oh, yeah, that's going to be really bad for our um, – for our agenda. So we're going to have to block that video, discredit it, say it was a deep fake or something like that, or say it's Russian, uh, Russian uh, counterintelligence. And that's what they'll do. That's exactly what um, every non-conservative outlet is saying that it's, and I don't understand how they're saying this with such certainty. When you, when you watch, let's say, I'm not going to say what company, but they say it like it's facts. These are uh, these are conspiracies that have been debunked. I think on Wikipedia, I forgot what I looked up. I think I looked up Hunter, and it said that he was involved in a conspiracy that has already been debunked. Nothing has been debunked. Yep. Okay, nothing has been debunked. So far, the only time that they have talked about it, that Joe Biden or Hunter have come forth and said anything, was during the debate, and he said that the laptops revelations are Russian disinformation. He said, and I quote, 50 former former national intelligence folks who said that uh, what he, referring to Trump, is accusing me of is Russian is a Russian plant. Five former heads of the CIA, both parties. Now that's actually pretty interesting. He said that former heads of the CIA, both parties, say that what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. That's actually extremely troubling. That shows you that you cannot trust politicians because... Both parties? What is that saying? Mm-hmm. What is that saying? Well, it's saying that we've always known that Republicans only pay lip service to certain things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and we've always known that. You know, that's why ultimately, that, that again, that is why we got into the advocacy in the first place. Because we here in Florida had a Republican governor in uh, Rick Scott, a, a Republican legislature a supermajority, I believe, in the legislature. And after Parkland, they were still able to pass red flag laws and change the purchase age of firearms, of all firearms, to 21. Whereas before, it used to be 21 for handguns and 18 for long guns. Now it's 21 for all of them. And uh, I believe now that the waiting period restrictions are the same everywhere in the state as well um, for purchases. So... Uh, you you will get betrayed by any politician that thinks it, w- it is politically expedient for them. That's why you need to vote for politicians that actually believe in the things that they say they do. Not just pay lip service to you when you show up uh, at a campaign rally or uh, when you're at some donor dinner. 
No, you want to make sure that they actually practice what they preach, and you have to hold them accountable. And if they don't, there's primaries, and if they have someone younger running against them, well, then vote them out. That's what you have to do. Now, obviously, I know that we're in a rock and a hard place sometimes because one party is is less anti-gun than the other. I would say, if, if you want to call it that way, because it seems like the Republicans, uh, more gun control is typically passed under Republicans than with Democrats because... Republicans seem to be vehement, seem to fight against it vehemently when it's when it's against them. So uh, it's it's uh, par for the course, really, with all of this. By the way, to continue in my vein of what he was saying mm -hmm. about the uh, former heads of CIA or former national intelligence folks, some of them include John Brennan and James Clapper. Hmm. Do you trust those guys? I don't think I trust them. No, definitely not. Especially after for those of you that don't know about uh, about Clapper and. Um, and uh, sorry, Brennan. Brennan, Clapper and Brennan, they each during the uh, the impeachment of President Donald Trump and the uh, Mueller investigation behind closed doors when there were secret briefings, which we found the paper, you know, we got the uh, the records later on. So publicly they would say, oh, no, Russian collusion. This is all true. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, the president uh, was compromised. And then behind closed doors under oath, they would say, oh, no, actually, that we don't have any evidence of anything. So, so we're going to trust group, these people that lie and the same group that were saying Russian collusion are the same one that they're saying this is Russian disinformation. Yeah. Hmm. I, wonder I wonder if Russia's sitting there going. No, Vladimir Putin is like, this is great. I don't even have to do anything. <laughs> the, the, the Americans are just going to tear themselves up. And so do the Chinese uh, and every other anti-American uh, <laughs> government out there. They would they love to see what is going on right now. And it's an absolute shame because. There are so many issues that we're going to have to deal with in the next few years that's going to require the United States to be a world leader. Mm -hmm. And what, what's going on right now is just putting us in a compromising position because we can't function as a country when the media, which is supposed to be the fourth estate, the non-official check against the government, colludes with the government itself when you have the most, the largest, richest companies that have ever existed in history colluding with that same, uh, that same agenda, and you know, uh, and and really perpetrating that. Representative uh, Jimmy Gordon said, and I quote: "The only problem is that big tech is censoring this information, and not enough journalists are doing their job, so Americans can find out what's really happening." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So many people, so many people I've talked to have no idea that this has happened. None. Mm -hmm. Zero. Because if you turn on certain channels, they're not reporting on it. And if they are reporting on it, you know what they say? Bunked. Yep. Debunked. Yep. Well, I mean... As if there was anything to debunk. Let me tell you what they have found so far. Um, who was it? It was one of these two... I guess it was just uh, Representative Jim Jordan said mm -hmm. it. Um, how can it be disinformation? The, they have the paperwork, the drop slip, the, like when you sign, when you like give your phone or your laptop to like a repair shop, it has yep. like a contract, you know, you have to sign, have, put your information so they get a hold of you and say how much you're going to pay. So they have the actual slip for the shop. The invoice. Reportedly, the invoice. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. Whatever. The, yeah. the contract signed allegedly by Biden. They have that piece of paper. Um, the John Radcliffe of the FBI is 
saying it is not Russian disinformation. So our current FBI is saying it is not Russian disinformation. And then they have an actual eyewitness who gave a freaking press conference, which I bet nobody of certain media companies, none of those media companies covered that me uh, that press conference. Uh, Tony Bobolinsky, okay, had a literal press conference. This guy was in business with the hunter uh with the hunters with the bidens mm -hmm. with hunter biden he was a business partner and he is basically acting as a whistleblower and saying this is all true i i was involved in all this i had no idea certain things were happening but yeah uh this is all true i'm mm -hmm. an eyewitness so he's he went out there put his neck on the line and said is whistleblowing had a freaking press conference about it nobody's reporting on this mm -hmm. yep so how has this been debunked Oh, it hasn't. Not at all. I don't know what's more troublesome. I think at this point, I am more like, okay, yes, having a president at, who is allegedly this corrupt, really bad, for the reasons you said. Mm -hmm. How could we possibly have a corrupt president? Well, I mean, you could say many of them have been corrupt, but someone who has... Well, when you've got the blatant... Uh, I don't know how to say this in English. Cola que le pisen, you know, like you have something like that makes you a liability yeah. when it comes to China. How could you possibly be an effective president for this country? Mm -hmm. No, and you can't. Is that... I don't know if that's worse or the fact that all of the media and our social media platforms are covering up for it blatantly. Blatantly. Mm -hmm. It's extremely troublesome. Yeah. And I mean, we've already experienced this in um, in the gun community on Facebook. I hate Facebook. I know we have a Facebook page. I am sorry to anyone who has followed us on our Facebook page. We, we're terrible, terrible people. We never post <laughs> on it. I, it's because I have a total and absolute aversion. I will one day get over this. I will start hopefully posting on there. Facebook is very necessary because a lot of people who aren't on Instagram, a lot of people who aren't, you know... Uh, over a certain age or just you know not into it uh aren't on instagram a lot of my friends aren't on instagram they're on facebook so i know we're doing ourselves and the community a disservice by not being on facebook but it's just so hard to get on that platform because i hate it so much um so many people in the gun community mr guns and gears got banned on that mm -hmm. i think who else got so many people have gotten banned on that on that platform for just sharing things that that they say are somehow offensive or you know, actually, I can talk about this. Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. That actually is um, what protects these people from doing all this stuff and, and basically censoring. Um, this is an act, again, 1996. Just when the, you know, go ahead. You well, it, prote it protects them from liability, uh, what people say on liability. their platform. But um, it's only contingent on if there are a platform and not a publisher. So if they edit what is on their platform, then they become a publisher and they no longer have Section 230 protection. Yeah. That's essentially the long and short of it. So it's a really short section. It says, um, and I quote, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. Mm -hmm. That's the Section 230. Yep. Um, it, but it also has this. Uh, this statute, Section 230C2, it has a good Samaritan protection for, from civil liability for operators of interactive computer services in the removal or moderation of third-party material, meaning anything that you or I post, the, yeah. the public posts, that they deem obscene or offensive, yeah. even of constitutionally protected speech, yeah. as long as it's done in good faith. Yeah, so it, it gives pretty broad, it's a broad interpretation, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's why they so can get away with the what they can. the things that you and I, viewer, 
if you're a gun person, if you want to use that terminology, things that you and I think are should be, or you know what, shouldn't just be you and I. It's in their gosh darn constitution, not hidden somewhere at the bottom. It's right at the top in the Bill of Rights. It's number two, right after freedom of speech. It's not something that should be obscene or offensive. Mm-hmm. But somehow, our views on the Second Amendment get banned for mm-hmm. being considered obscene or offensive. That's troublesome to me. Extremely troublesome. All right. Well, let's let's go in. Let's see what the chat's saying real here, real quick. Sorry, about I haven't been paying attention. To no, 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 no. You're you're going on it. So uh, let's see. I think most people pretty much agree. Uh, Confucius says, "Get rid of the electoral college." Let me tell you why. Uh, uh, are you being facetious or are you being serious? Because if you're being serious, I'm going to level you. Because <laughs> this is how it's going to work. So, did you know? Let, let me use this first example before I get deeper into the electoral college and its importance and why it was a genius uh, system to create. First of all, did you know that in the last election, uh, President Trump lost the popular vote by three million votes, something like that? Did you know that they were all in California? So if you were to take away the state of California from the popular vote in 2016, Donald Trump would have won the popular vote with all other 49 states by one million votes. So that shows you what would have happened right there without the Electoral College. We know it will give basically not even just the states, specifically major metropolitan areas, full control over the United States. Now, I know a lot of people get upset right now that essentially only the swing states seem to matter, but that is what it is. We know that there are different parts of the country that have different, uh, that have different requirements, different standards, different geography, different ways of life. And the founders always understood that they did not want a, a certain sector of the country to be able to hold the rest of the country hostage and to also give each state a fair shake by having equal representation and having incentive for politicians to campaign in those states. So what you would do if you get rid of the Electoral College is instantly no national candidate will ever, ever campaign and flyover country because why on earth would they ever go to Kansas, Nebraska, the Dakotas, any of those states, uh, even uh, even states like Iowa, uh, some most of the states in the South, they would never ever go and campaign in any of those states because they know they would only need the populations of New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and you know the, the other 10 major metropolitan areas. And that's it. That's all they would need to get because they would just need the popular vote. So you would have essentially the coasts holding the rest of the country hostage and passing policies that don't work. Now you might say, well, doesn't it work the other way around? No, it, it does not. Because essentially there is nothing that the flyover states will do that will hurt the major metropolitan states. And they also, we are a republic. We have differences. The way that the United States is supposed to work is you have 50 semi-autonomous, semi-sovereign states that each agree that we're going to follow the Constitution, but everything else that's not in it, we're going to have our own rules. So if you want socialism in California, you can go ahead and do that. Now, to a certain extent, obviously you can't uh, take control of the means of production because that goes against what the United States stands for, but, you know, whatever. Uh, You can do that, and you can see, is it going to work out well? 
And you can have another state that's completely libertarian, super capitalistic. And that's what's supposed to be. The states are supposed to be the, uh, what is it, the laboratories of democracy. I forgot who said that quote, but that's what they are supposed to be. So we need to get over, and actually the president mentioned this in the last debate, and a lot of people seem to forget this. When they asked him, well, what about the lockdowns and all these things? I believe that's what he was talking about. And he said, no, I can encourage certain things. Oh, no, he was talking about, uh, I believe it was the minimum wage, whether he believes in a national minimum wage. And he said, no, the states can vote what they want. So he said, I might be for increasing the minimum wage, but the states can vote for what they want because each state has different requirements. So a, a high minimum wage in one state may be, wow, you can barely survive with that. And in another, you will, you, you know, you'd be a rich man, essentially, or you'd have businesses closed because $15 in Arkansas is totally different than $15 in California or New York State. And those are the things that the founders set in place, knowing that there would be these differences. There already were in the 13 colonies. And you can imagine how vastly different now that we've expanded across the entire continental um, region of North America, just how different things are. So again, the Electoral College protects essentially the minority in this country. It protects flyover states because it keeps too much power from being amassed in certain states. Because again, the states hold power in the United States. When the Constitution was originally written, we did not vote for our senators. A lot of people don't understand that that's something that didn't change until about a little over 100 years ago, at the turn of the, uh, of the 20th century, uh, from the 19th to the 20th century. It used to be that the House of Representatives was the people's house, and that's what we voted for as citizens. And then our state legislatures would vote for senators. So that showed the delineation that the state is its own semi-autonomous part that's extremely important, an extremely important aspect of how the United States works. So the states would vote for their senators. That Those senators would look out for the interests of the state. We would vote for our representatives. They would look out for the interests of the people of the state. And that is how you would have the system. Now, obviously, they changed that. Uh, I forgot which amendment it was. Somebody can throw that on, uh, throw that to me. Uh, I forgot off the top of my head, but I think that was a mistake. Now, they did that constitutionally. They they added an amendment and they changed that, so it is what it is. It's totally legal. They did the same thing with income tax, unfortunately, uh, and income tax is totally illegal. It's totally legal because it's in the Constitution now, so that's what you have to do. Uh, but nobody wants to remember those things, and it's so hard because you need two-thirds. You need a supermajority in, in, uh, in Congress and 75% of the states to also ratify an amendment. And that's just too much work, so that's why we don't do it. But anyway, that's my rant about the Electoral College. It's necessary. Don't get rid of it. <laughs> so how's it going, Joe? You've been in the chat. What's going on over there? Not much. Apparently, uh... yeah, not much. <laughs> <laughs> just answering some things. Uh, Brian Quick says, user data is how social media companies make money from advertisers. Um, oh, uh, I, I do want to interject something else uh, talking about the social media thing and how yeah. um, I, I forgot who in the chat mentioned that they're going to bring uh, Dorsey in, uh, in front of the Senate. Let me tell you my concern with with Congress and why I'm afraid that they would never uh, that they, they would never do anything about it. Um, did you know that when this first came out, I believe Ted Cruz wanted the um, the committee that he's a part of. 
to immediately have this uh, to have a discussion, to have this inquiry with Jack Dorsey. And it was actually his Republican colleagues that that shot him down at first. And they rescheduled the meeting. And that, why? Because a lot of the people in Congress on the Republican side get money from the social media companies for their campaigns. So this is why we have to hold our politicians on both sides under accounts. And we have to encourage the good ones there to hold the rest of them accountable. So uh, let's check out the chat. Oh, Santiago Nieves Jr. Uh, brought up something pretty cool. Congratulations to, Car- uh, to Captain Eric J. Ad- Adunce, the new commander of the USS Theodore or Roosevelt CVN 71. He is from Manati, Puerto Rico, and the ship is home ported in San Diego. Congratulations. My father actually was on board the John F. Kennedy uh, back in the day. Uh, the John F. Kennedy got decommissioned, but that was uh, back in the early 2000s that my dad was stationed on there. So I've got uh, a place near and dear my heart for flat tops. Uh, for aircraft carriers, in case people don't uh, know the vernacular there with the Navy. So my dad was actually there uh, stationed on the JFK for about three years, and it was pretty awesome. It actually made me want to become a fighter pilot when I was younger. Obviously, I didn't end up doing that. Um, I had a health condition uh, that kept me from, from enlisting with that, but that's what I wanted to do, and I have nothing but love for the, uh, the U.S. Navy and all the squids out there, and obviously all of our veterans. So you have a place near and dear in my heart. Mm-hmm. So uh, congratulations to uh, Captain Adunze uh, on his new command. I'm sure that he'll uh, do a great job, represent us well, and with any luck, he'll be a one-star as soon as he's done with that uh, and move on to even better uh, better things. Brian Quick, he's not convinced that uh, taking away Section 230 would have the effect on uh, doing uh, data is everything. If you own it, you lose their, they lose their commodity. And I know there have been people that have been talking about something like a digital bill of rights in order for us to own our information. Uh, hey, there you go. Fleet Week back in the 90s. My dad my dad may have been there because I remember uh, when he went to Fleet Week in uh, New York City. Uh, so Night Train brought that up. Uh, Fleet Week was awesome. I wish they would do it more uh, often. I think uh, after September 11th, it wasn't as good as it used to be, but... Uh, I think they they let people back on. They used to bring the flat tops and all the carriers out all the time, even down here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, usually they have something called the Air and Sea Show here, and they do a big um, – usually they have ships in port in uh, the port of Fort Lauderdale for about a week. Usually they have an amphibious assault ship and a, like a destroyer or a cruiser, and then they do an air show at the end of the week on the weekends. So it's pretty awesome. So I'm glad that you got to see it. The JFK was the last, I believe um, – non-nuclear carrier left in the fleet and as a little factoid for people who may not know um in japan uh, i believe that we don't have any carriers currently but for for decades uh, we would always keep one conventionally powered so one diesel powered uh, carrier rather than a nuclear powered carrier in japan because they did not allow ships powered by uh, nuclear reactors uh i'm sure that that has to do with something that happened at the end of world war ii but um, but it may not be. Uh, but that that's how it was. So the U.S. would always keep uh, up until recently a uh, a fleet. Uh, I mean, one uh, conventionally powered carrier uh, for the Seventh Fleet in Yokosuka, Japan. Sorry, I'm chuckling over something in in the chat. Uh, Confucius says, "Look what's going on in this country. It's gotten weak. Kids get time out. I got a cocotazo for anyone who does not speak <laughs> Spanish. It's a whack right upside the head." Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, 
That's great. Good to see uh, a lot of veterans here. Hugh City, I, or, or is it Hugh City or Hue City? I believe that my father may have been uh, may have been stationed on that ship too back in the day. So small world. That's how it is. Navy guys know. <laughs> so. Oh, so people are talking about two thirty. Um, I saw it starting a little bit above this. And thank you for your service, Brian. By the way. Ryan Quick says, I'm not convinced taking away Section 230 would have the effect people think it would on big tech. We need to own our data. Data is everything to big tech. If you own it, they they mm-hmm. lose their commodity. Yeah, that's what I was saying with them with him about uh, somebody proposed a, uh, a digital bill of rights so that people have a right to their information on the Internet and almost uh, like a second constitution that deals with all Internet materials. So... Uh, that's definitely something to check out. I think that that would be a good thing. Um, I think that the founders, they they incorporated a lot of things in the Constitution. I think the way the technology works with information and things like that and how powerful it is, I think that's one of the few things that they could not have anticipated. So the Second Amendment, obviously that's universal. It will apply even to the day that we have plasma weapons and laser guns and all that stuff. That won't matter. But I do think that just like the First Amendment should apply, but I think uh, digitally – uh, uh, digitally, we're going to need to do something about it too. Simon says, train Tony in the chat says the Japanese didn't allow our carriers to have nuclear weapons on board. To yeah. answer your question. There you go. So, well, like I said, it, like I said, it probably had to do with something that at the end of World War II. <laughs> yeah. So, did we reach the portion of the show where I struggled through my Spanish? Yes, we did. Section three of the 14th Amendment. So, we have reached that time in the show, ladies and gentlemen, where we start closing up shop. And we go over the a, an amendment or part of an amendment because some of them are extremely long of the Constitution in English and Spanish. Uh, feel free to share this segment of the show, especially to people that may be new, that may not be uh, English speakers or anything like that. But you want them to learn a little bit more about what makes this country the way that it is. That's why we do this. So I will start in English. If you all do not already have one, you should get a pocket Constitution like this one. Super cheap on Amazon. You can get them anywhere, get multiple copies, give them to your friends and family, keep one on yourself because especially now more than ever with the craziness that we're going out there between lockdowns and social media, you need to know what your constitutional rights are. So without further ado, section three of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution is says no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or any state who having previously taken oh an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as and as, as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the state or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So that is Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. (laughs) Bear with me. Enmienda número 14, sección 3. Las personas que, habiendo prestado juramento previamente en calidad de miembros del Congreso o de funcionarios de los Estados Unidos o de miembros de cualquier legislatura local o como funcionarios o ejecutivos o judiciales de cualquier estado. I already lost my place. 
de que sostendrían la constitución de los Estados Unidos hubieran participado de una insurrección o rebelión en contra de ella o proporcionada proporcionada oh my gosh o proporcionando ayuda o protección a sus enemigos no podrán ser senadores o representantes en el Congreso ni electores del presidente o vicepresidente ni ocupar ningún empleo civil o militar que depende de los Estados Unidos o de, de alguno de los estados. I'm doing terrible today, I'm sorry. Pero el Congreso puede derogar tal interdicción por el voto de los, de los dos tercios de cada Cámara. That was pretty bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop. Uh, I'm sorry. It had a lot of run-on sentences. Don't worry. It was a tough one. Uh, I got I got stuck on a couple words that I know. Mm -hmm. It's pretty embarrassing. Sorry, guys. I promise yeah. I'll practice for section four. Yes. Next week. So uh, next week, we, we it's pretty informal. Obviously, the election follows uh, pretty much two days after that. So... It's going to be pretty crazy. We don't have any guests lined up or anything like that, but that could change. Um, but we do have some guests coming up hopefully soon that yes. we're really excited about, as yeah, always. Definitely after that. We wanted to take a, a couple of weeks off from guests here to just kind of talk about things and give Not have any technical difficulties? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rolando. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Well, we hey, good. life is difficult, okay, guys? Yeah, well, we were good last time, so. Uh, yeah, but for anybody that missed it, In the video, this was... Oh, man, I just keep banging into everything because I can't see. <laughs> this is... Uh, Who votes is, for having Rolando do an entire show with a bucket on his head? How the, funny would that be? Oh, my gosh. No way. It would be terrible. It, it gets way too hot in this thing. But, yes, uh, this is my uh, this is my Halloween costume for everybody that uh, wants to check it out. The whole Django Fed helmet. Uh, never forget, weapons are our religion. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. Uh, God bless you all. Have a great Halloween. Uh, I think Halloween's probably going to be kind of weird this year, depending on what state you live in. So hopefully uh, some of you will be able to have a, a normal Halloween or at least have some fun. I don't know about normal, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, at least I believe, watch a spooky movie, guys. Yeah, I believe, uh, while Halloween's on a great day, it's on Saturday, I believe that our good friend Hank Strange is going to have a Halloween special the night of Halloween. So if uh, you can't go out trick-or-treating or you don't do that kind of thing, Uh, you guys should definitely check out th that uh, live stream. And I actually will be on Hank's uh, podcast tomorrow, uh, I believe. And I think, Tony, I think you're going to be there too, from what I saw that Lola said. So uh, we'll catch you guys there if you guys want to check that out. If not, we will see you next week. Thank you, Thank all you so to much everyone for... in the chat. It's always such a pleasure to see you guys. And we'll see you next week. All right. Yes. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. Have a great night. Bye.